0: Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Trolsen Legal Visionaries podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack.
1: Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Trolsen Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. I'm Mary Vandenack, founder and CEO at Vandenack Weaver Trolsen. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about legal and tax issues, trust and estates, business succession and exit planning, legal technology, law practice management and leadership, and well being. First, I want to thank our sponsors Interactive Legal, Foster Group, Veterans Victory Housing and Small Business Campuses, and Carson Private Client. Here's a message from Interactive Legal.
2: Technology has become an essential part of our daily lives. However, not all fields have embraced technology. Lawyers, especially estate planning attorneys, need to stay up to date with specific laws and any issues affecting taxes and wealth preservation. Implementing an automated drafting system can help lawyers spend more time with their clients and less time doing back office tasks estate planners and law professionals turn to Interactive Legal as their main resource for the latest planning strategies. Interactive Legal provides the most comprehensive productivity system on the market, with an easy-to-use document drafting system, extensive continuing education, thought-provoking discussion forums, and more. With Interactive Legal, attorneys get to spend more time with their clients. It's time to connect, collaborate, and create. To learn more about Interactive Legal, visit InteractiveLegal.com.
0: Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business, resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth, Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth, giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment Advisory Service is offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.
1: On today's episode, my guests are Ann Collier and Corinne Foxley. Ann is a lawyer, has her master's in public policy, is a professional certified coach, and the CEO of Arudia. Arudia is a firm dedicated to improving culture, collaboration, and communication, and I can personally vouch to the expertise of Anne and her firm. She's an expert leadership coach. Anne is steadfast in her commitment to excellence and her clients' goals. She coaches and delivers programming designed to support individuals, teams, and organizations in amplifying their accomplishments with confidence, intentionality, and resilience individuals and organizations alike manifest the extraordinary as they actualize greater financial stability and outcomes. I've known Anne for many years through the American Bar Association Law Practice Division, and we've had a lot of opportunities to do a variety of things together, which have been fun. But one of our loves that we share is related to horses. And so that brings us to our second guest, which is Corinne Foxley. So Corinne attended Virginia Tech University earned her degree in animal poultry science. She has worked with a KWPN breeder where she was responsible for starting and riding young horses and worked as the show groom for the head trainer at the farm. There she gleaned experience and became a riding instructor in D.C. while also working at Howard University Medical School. While in D.C. at Rock Creek Park Horse Center, where I was recently introduced to it was a lot of fun to hike through there, she taught riders of all ages and levels and found the best techniques for each individual, becoming more sensitive and creative in her teaching skills. From here, she moved forward with Felicitas von neumann kosel and eventually became the assistant trainer. This gave her insight into what dressage and true balance of the horse and rider really is. She learned and gained a better understanding of showing and competing and the grit it takes to be successful. And what most don't know about me is because I do a lot of talking about taxes, but my first career was actually turning thoroughbred racehorses. And so in visiting Anne and talking about leadership, we also talked about horses and started to have conversations about a lot of the similarities in theories that apply in leadership and training. And we thought it would be fun just to share some of those analogies today. Thanks for joining me today, Anne and Corinne.
3: It, Mary, it's always a pleasure to work with you on any project. Thanks for having me back on your podcast.
4: Yes, yeah, so nice being today, Mary. Thank you for having us here.
1: So Anne and Corinne, most recently what I've been hearing about is that you've been working to train Anne's newest horse, Andiamo. Can you share some of the challenges?
4: Yeah, so I think um, with Andiano, some of the main challenges are helping him to build confidence and um, sort of trust not only in the leadership of either Anne or I, or, um, but also help him feel more confident in himself and trying to find a, the right environment and tools that help him be
1: successful with that. And Anne, do you have any thoughts on that?
3: Yeah. So first of all, I smiled when I saw that question because he's big. He's really big, even for a horse. So a couple of things. I think that I think what I identified was that his size, like it's going to be harder for him to build muscle, but also everything Corinne said about confidence. But if you listen to what Corinne said, that those are the same things that I would say about leaders and staff. Right, you need and their and their team. You know, leaders need to be confident. So, Corinne's had to work with me on my confidence and working with this like really big boy who's different than a horse that I had for seventeen years. So it's like, oh, I'm getting used to a whole new situation, and so I really needed a lot of support um, in building that confidence from Corinne, and that because me as as Andiamo's leader, if I'm not confident you know, I, you know, I communicate that to him. And I think about, think about a time on my last horse, Picasso, where I was out on trail with him and like 30 deer blew by. Like that's scary <laughs> for a horse. Cause the message they get is I got to join those deer. Cause there must be something chasing us. And so if you don't stay calm in that terrifying situation, the horse takes off and it's, you know, it's potentially life-threatening.
1: So what I want to ask about that, because, you know, I see you as this total leadership expert, but what I like about what you said is how important that regardless and, you know, in coaching, leadership, mental health, all the ones who I know who are really great at what they do will tell you that they have their own coach, their own leadership coaches, their own people who support them. So what I'm hearing, so how does Corinne and either one of you can answer this, so you have that situation? How do you prepare for that situation where you're going to see all the foxes run across the road?
4: Um, well, I, I think being creative is is definitely a part of that. Uh, I think also you know, getting to know the horse that you're working with is also really important um, and and not too much for them to handle all at one time. So, um, you know, you really have to start small, Again, you're, you you want to set them up for success so you know you wouldn't just go out into the woods and be like okay here are all the deer like good luck um, you, you definitely want to start to get them used to you know seeing different kind of movement helping them build confidence that they're going to be safe um, in that moment but also you have to train them to look to you for Um, because at the end of the day it's a partnership and um, if you're not continually helping them learn that and be trusting of that, then you won't be able to get help them move past their fears and and some of the things that they're more afraid of.
1: And so I'm going to ask, and like, so let's say that I were to call you up, what would be the proximate equivalent of me having 20 foxes run across the road in front of me? And I'd make that call to you. And one of the words that I heard Corinne say that I think is significant in a whole lot of perspectives is the concept of safety.
3: Yeah, yeah. So what Corinne said that was really important is building up to these things. So what I would be, you know, I would get to know you as my client. I mean, I know you, but I always try to get to know the client, get you talking about trying to figure out what's really fearful about this. And then coming up with, just as Corinne said, creative strategies for all right. So, like when you have to go speak in front of 200 people and you haven't done this before, what scares you about it? What would help you feel better about it? Like, do you need to do some breathing exercises? Is it actually just better to talk to a friend and then just go up there and do that? So, it's and it's some trial and error and then. Just like with what Corinne said, it's it's doing it over and over again and being in new situations. In fact, I have a client who was terrified to speak in public, and so she did Toast. She volunteered to do Toastmasters, but then also do the onboarding training for her um, for everybody that came to this company. And they never had anybody in tax do it, so they took her right away. But she got over her speaking issues, challenges. So that's the kind of that's the kind of thing. So it's figuring out the strategy, but then also figuring out how to just like we would say with horses, desensitize yourself to it.
1: Well, and what what I recall when I was training thoroughbreds is they would easily start, and I so I can't even imagine what would happen if they came across twenty foxes because it'd be just somebody <laughs> walking up near them and right. So. That whole sense of safety. So that creating the safety on a daily basis, Corinne, how does that work? I mean, do you expose them to different things, or? Um, yeah. So
4: the first thing I will say is that um, you know if if you, as the person handling the horse, doesn't feel safe, and the horse also doesn't feel safe, then the, there's no environment for learning. Not possible. Because there's too much fear and fear takes over. And so, really, what you're looking to do is to, you know, direct them uh, sort of to focus on you and what you're asking them to do. Uh, and the key to that is for you to understand that boundaries are part of that. If you have a horse that's scared and you're leading them from the barn to the paddock and they spook and they see something that they're you don't want them to react and jump on top of you so you do have to set a boundary that like your person is not something that they can injure or jump on top of (laughs) um so that's the first thing uh setting setting those clear boundaries and then again you need to give them direction that helps to keep them
0: in a safe place
4: not to put them in a place that they feel dangerous and and you know, for horses, in, in many ways, for them to feel safe, they have to feel like they have a place to go. If you're trying to restrict them or confine them, then you're not um, sort of allowing them to be a horse. Horses are meant to run away from things. That's how they, that's how they evolved, And so that's why I like to think of redirection as opposed to control or, you um, you know,
3: something uh, like requiring too much from them that
4: they can't give you.
3: Yeah. And just to follow up on the issue of safety, it's, I mean, as Corinne said, it's if you as the leader don't have the energy of sort of like being confident and calm, like, hey, we can figure this out. I may not have the answer, but our team, our team is great. Or we can go and look for some outside resources but if you don't have the energy of being calm, and we've all worked with stressed out people, like you've got nothing with the horse. And in fact, I was telling Corinne today that, you know, what was it like? Maybe it was like uh, six months ago, Andiamo bucked me off. And it's like, if I had the confidence that I have now with him to like read him about what he needed, I would have jumped off before he bucked me off, you know? But I could feel, but as I think back on that moment, so there's also this this piece, and I'm onboarding a new employee, and I think about this: is all right. So how much how much new information can the horse or the person handle as they're learning how to how to be successful in a new job or in a new situation? And I think that's really important. I have a client that is a finance team, and she's got a lot of new people, and so what we Determined was that people needed to get that new, learn the new system, work in it for a while, a little while, like play around with it, learn it, and then they could learn something else. But if they have all training for two weeks straight but no experimentation, they don't learn it. They don't. And and I think it's the same with horses. It's a lot of repetition, getting them to know. You know, they get to know of it, and so you see that with horses. They tell you, they don't lie to you. They're like, hey, that was like too much for me. I'm not faking it here. they don't fake it, they don't lie. So they tell you, or they don't try to look good in front of you, I shouldn't say that. They don't try to look good in front of you. So they'll let you know if it was too much, if it was overwhelming, and then you dial it back and you try to challenge them, but in a way that they can handle it and they can feel successful. Because we all want our employees to feel successful
4: and one of the- yeah, I, and I'm I'm sorry. I just want to one one thing along with that too is that, um, you know, in, in terms of um, safety, again, it it can't be iterated enough that the horse isn't going to progress unless they feel safe, um, and you know, you you just want to use your intuition uh, when it comes to reading the response. And if you're not calm, if you're not able to sort of manage your emotional response to what the horse is doing, then you certainly can't use your intuition to respond to what the horse is doing, and then therefore give them the best forward. Um, So I I think that that's also uh, an important part of it is that you really, you know, in order to have give the work the best direction that will help them succeed. Your emotional response needs to be in a good place so that you can read what needs to be done.
1: Well, and I was noting one of the things that you said about boundaries that I thought was really important because I think in the personal and like leadership context, I assert something I certainly had to work through is if I don't feel safe, I might over assert the boundaries. And so your point that I think I heard was that, Uh, even if the horse feels slightly unsafe, they don't get to kick your head off. So there's, right. right? And, and as a person who was once in a stall with a horse trying to kill me in the corner and I had to get somebody there to help me. And I was just grateful that the horse couldn't kick low enough to get me that at the end of the day, it's kind of that there's that safety, but there's going to be moments at which we all feel unsafe, and so then the boundary comes into play. Which is, right? Yeah, you might feel unsafe. This is what's okay. Kicking my head off isn't. In the leadership right. context, it may be. Hey, you don't get to tell the person say a bunch of you know foul things that are inappropriate or whatever the case might be. There's still boundaries because we're all going to have unsafe moments. Moments where we're upset. And, I, you know, right. Ann, you mentioned calm. And I'm just going to share something that Ann said to me one time, which was like nearly life changing for me. And she works with this actualized leadership profile. And she was showing me how when I'm in my n- less actualized state, I'm not the most pleasant person. So I called her up and said, oh, when I'm not actualized, then I'm just going to stay home. And hide and not go in, so nobody has to deal with me. And she's like, "Mary, no, that's not how it works. You have to still go in, and you have to function and develop that, so that kind of there's this, you know, some sense of safety, the boundaries, and then that calm, clear, decisive nature. You have thoughts on that? So I
4: just want to mention. Um, I'm going to jump in. Sorry, Anne, about um, boundaries, and that is that. So you mentioned, you know, the the situation, it can definitely happen, but you mentioned like, okay, I was in a stall and the horse was really trying to get at me and, um, you know, you had to have help. Um, I, the thing about training horses and, and some ways it's similar and in some ways it's slightly different, but you know, with horses, you want to start setting, um, injuries right from the start. And so you kind of give them the fundamentals of what those boundaries are before you potentially reach, you know, a life potentially threatening situation. And, um, I think that, that in terms of working with horses, you know, you do have to kind of, um, prepare them and set them up for, for that. And then the boundaries kind of change and, 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 um, Become a little more refined as your partnership with the horse develops. Uh, and I think in some ways that's, that's very similar to leadership as well. It's, you know, you, there are rules and there are, you know, boundaries, personal boundaries that we all have. And um, making sure to make them clear and sort of established more in the beginning really is much easier when the high-stress situations come in. Um, Because once those high stress situations come in, like trying to set a boundary that you haven't already prepared for makes it a little bit difficult.
1: So I'm going to ask you a question that might be slightly unfair because I'm thinking back and it was definitely one of those moments where I thought it was the end of my life. Right. And the particular horse was a filly that I wasn't usually responsible for the care of. And she was known to be high strung. And to typically only get along with males, and so I was covering for somebody and taking care of her, and I don't remember exactly how, but it was you know that I ended up in the back corner of a stall, being afraid for my life. But let's just say, if I went back to that moment, based on the principles you're talking about today, what might I have done differently? Um, it's a and that's a tricky a, a tricky situation
4: because. It sounds like potentially the boundaries weren't set for the horse prior to that whole situation. Um, And so you, you you were already kind of um, set up for failure when you, when you went into this all, because the horse wasn't clear on what the boundaries were. The horse was clear on the boundary. um, They wouldn't, they wouldn't have pinned you in the corner like that. Um, So uh, the, the short answer is that most likely um, more training preparation should have done, been done with that horse um, to find out you know what their insecurities were what it sort of reacted to negatively and then how to build forward um, on that with a with a more positive direction so unfortunately in your situation you need help
1: and and I probably should have declined covering for this horse that I was told all oh, they respond maybe to men. That, right. Uh, and maybe that was a boundary that
4: you could have set at the time. Very <laughs> tricky when you're trying to help people. So oh, Right.
1: We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors.
0: Financial advice is useless without empathy. At Foster Group, we want to hear your story, your goals, your worries about the future. Only then can we help you feel confident about all aspects of your financial life. Come experience how it feels to be truly cared for at Foster Group. Connect with us at fostergrp.com. Foster Group's written disclosure brochure, as set forth in Part 2A of Form ADV, discusses advisory services and fees, is available at www.fostergrp.com.
1: Okay, let's continue our episode. I was just saying that when we were talking about, you know, from the horse perspective, what I've heard is like we have kind of three players. We have the horse, we have a trainer, we have a a rider. And in each of those contexts, there's these concepts of safety, boundaries, calm, clear decisiveness. And I'm thinking, and I, I know you and Cynthia, and now you're bringing in a new one and you will each take on different roles. So how does that compare to what we've been talking about as you bring somebody new in? Or feel free to use a different scenario.
3: Yeah, no, no. Actually, it's perfect because I've been thinking a lot about it. So our our dear, dear Esther is going on to a job that is like her dream job. So we're hiring my niece who desperately needs a job. And she hasn't worked for six years because she she's been raising her little girls. So... I know that she's got to transition back into the workforce. She's, you know, she needs to build some confidence there. Um, I know that she, I know her very well. I know that she wants to please and she doesn't want to make any mistakes and we're close. She doesn't want to let me down. And I also know she's really smart and she's hardworking and she can do this, but it's readjusting, right? So, okay, so, so the point about being calm and clear. So, you know, I tell her, Valerie, you know, we have plenty of backup. So if you, you know, if you need to take care of your girls, I know this is a big transition. So it's just calling and saying what it is. This is a transition. Let us know what kind of support you need because we got other people that we can bring in to get things done. Cynthia is more available than I am. So, um, and we've had a two week period of overlap. So she's done some training but I've been very clear about not giving her too much at one time because I'm, I'm concerned about it being overwhelming because she hasn't, she's had to juggle kids, which is a lot. Now that after I spent a week with them, I know it's really a lot, but you know, she's got to juggle a lot, but this is a different kind of thing. Um, so, so I want her to be successful. I want her to feel good about her work, um, and whether she stays or moves on i want her to feel like she's learned a lot and that sort of thing so so cynthia and i have different roles i always set the di- you know the direction um, i need to set the tone for you know letting her off the hook you know for things like you know you i know you're going to try really hard so like i said you know ask questions um, cynthia is available for more of the day-to-day management and that sort of thing. We do team meetings, um, so we're all on the same page. So we want to make sure the communication is clear. And as as Corinne said, especially at the beginning, you know. And so one of the things that
1: we've talked about in terms of the effectiveness of the process, and I can't remember which of you remembered it, but it might have been Corinne, because I think we were talking about, um, and I think it was about Andiamo, but is taking the pressure off of the learning process what does that mean, or how does that work? Um so essentially,
4: what it is is, um, you know, if you're asking the horse to do something that adds pressure. Um, and the horse, you know, may give me the correct response. And if they do, then the sort of the reward is that you know, you you back off in the way that you're asking them to do what you want and so you give them a moment you you can praise them with your voice um, and that sort of thing but you're uh, again you're trying to reduce the amount of pressure that you're putting on them in that moment Um, and sometimes you know you have to increase pressure but you're always looking for the pressure to be as little as possible so that the stress level of the horse stays as low as
3: possible.
1: So I heard the word rewards. Is there both rewards and punishment in the process? Um, I wouldn't say
4: punishment. I, I say redirection. Okay. So, I like um, that phrase. If, if a horse makes a mistake, um, according to what our definition of mistake is, because the horse does what the horse is supposed to do, um, according to them. So if they do something that you're not asking for, um, even if it's behavior like a buck or a rear or they kick, um, that we don't like because it can potentially put us in, in a dangerous situation. Um, I prefer to redirect. I don't ever finish. Um, I just change their focus and that may mean that they have to work a little bit hard. So maybe I'll ask, them to, you know, go trot and canter or, you know, go more forward um if I'm lunging them. Or maybe that means that um, if I'm leading them, I back them up a little bit, which can be harder for them. Um you know, there's there's certain things that you can do to help redirect their focus and um, you know, maybe make it so that they're doing something more difficult, either mentally challenging or physically challenging. Um, instead of the behavior that they just gave you. So um, redirection is really more uh, my focus. And then in terms of reward, um, you know, I, I, I do try to use um, vocal praises. There's a lot of different methods that um, in terms of reward. Some people do clicker training with horses, which is a completely like reward based system, positive um, reinforcement training. And um, that can be very useful as well. I go a little bit off of both reward and like I say, redirection in the in the methods that I use, but really it's about figuring out how the horse responds the best and using the training method to help one move forward and progress in the best way possible.
1: And do you have an analogy for that in the leadership context, Dan? Yeah,
3: yeah, for sure. So I I actually love this way of thinking about it because I I would say that, you know, like 95% of people are in the workplace are trying to do the right thing. So thinking like with Corinne, it's like the horse isn't being bad. The horse is responding the way the horse is responding. So I look at it when I'm working him like, gosh, did I do something? Did I do something wrong? Was I uncertain? And I notice the more clear and certain I am, the better he responds and the 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 more effective i am so when i think about like a new manager who's really stressed out and might be uh micromanaging or yelling at their staff or that kind of thing it actually means they weren't adequately, adequately prepared they aren't managing their stress very well so you know that's an area that i do a lot of coaching in so to me it's all the same thing like okay so let's let let me mentor you as my my you know as a new manager, and actually, with one client, we're talking about having them do our leadership academy before they promote somebody to a new manager. So, giving them that preparation. Um, the other thing that actually I um, I think about a lot in the leadership situation, and and this idea of of punishment, like. You know, so again, we're looking at behaviors that we don't want and we want to redirect them or give them, as you know, what I do is give them people a different perspective on how to handle their stress. But again, that calm, clear instruction, like setting the boundaries. So again, like the no foul language in the workplace, the no screaming, like that's a boundary that, that you'll enforce, like kind of no matter what, it doesn't matter what the stress level is. That's inappropriate. Kind of like the no kicking, bucking, rearing, that sort of thing, um, but most of the time, it's really just helping people feel, feel st- stressed or deal with their stress. And I like smile at myself thinking about this because like I love my animals, right? And so I'm like, well, I don't want Andiamo to think I don't love him. Like that is, you know, like, so, so Corinne and I had, so it was hard for me to set boundaries with them, you know, like, oh, he wants to cuddle. I mean, he's 2000 pounds of cuddle. And um, and I yet I need to maintain this the space especially if he's a little stressed because that's when he's going to jump on me if he stresses out and um, and so I've overcome that <laughs> so that that's been part of the work. <laughs> um, he's still like he's still cuddly, but it's all in the appropriate place. So it's a little bit like your friends with your your client your colleagues or your clients. You know when it's all business and you're working versus you know when. Yeah, like we're going out to dinner, we're having a glass of wine, that kind of thing. So it's being clear about what you're doing when. Um, And, um, you know, Corinne and I were talking about um, equine experiential education, you know, and maybe doing some of that together. And that's this idea that you do on-the-ground exercises, which is a lot of what we're doing with Andiamo, but doing this with people who don't know horses, because the horses are like this biofeedback machine again, they're not trying to make you feel better about the effort that you put in. You either did it right or you didn't. Like it's it's kind of black or white. It's clear. And um, so if you're, and I've done this before and it's been so fantastic. So when you have people that are like overly directive, like they kind of scare the horse, like, you know, if you're trying to put a, a halter on him. If you have people that are meandering walking up to a horse, the horse is like, are you putting a halter on me or not? Like, okay, I'm gonna go back to eating. But if you have someone that has like the right amount of like, yeah, we're getting this done. We're in kind of work mode now. I'm going to put this halter on you, um, and then we're going to go work. Then, then you get the right reaction from the horse. So it helps the person see how to temper their body language. Um, And even today, we were, I was working with Andiamo as Corinne was creating all sorts of distractions to try to get in. To build his confidence that he can still work. And so, you know, with the voice, um, getting him to do a transition from walk to trot, trot to canner, canner to, you know, with using my voice and my body with him. Like, they're so sensitive. They pick up on that. And it's the same with people. We pick up on, I remember working with a lawyer who part of what he did was he would just stand in your, big, big guy, stand in your space and try to get his way, you know. So, so we've kind of we kind of all been there. So, body language, all of that is important in all rounds, you know.
1: So, I'm gonna we're coming to the end of our episode, and so I'm gonna ask you each for any last thoughts. But I just wanted to kind of summarize what I heard, and you can clarify or add comments in terms of the analogies that we're using. So, I heard concepts about the need for a sense of safety, the need for boundaries the calm, clear, and decisive aspect in both concepts, taking the pressure off to learn of learning, using rewards and redirection as appropriate, and paying attention to body language. And I heard that those both really apply in both of the contexts that we're trying to compare. And so I'd just like to ask each of you to give a last thought on what you might add or clarify on that list.
4: Um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, that that's a pretty concise list. The other thing that I would just maybe mention is that none of this works if um, you aren't willing to listen and to pay attention. Um, and, you know, because you're working with a horse, while it seems far-fetched, the horse actually also has to listen and pay attention to you. Um, and, you know, again... Without some of these pieces, it, training and progress in the horse certainly doesn't move forward. And, you know, when you're thinking of interactions with people and being a leader, a lot of the concepts transfer over. It just doesn't work if you don't have clear boundaries, if you're not both listening to each other, and if you're not mindful of
3: the other safety um, as well. So thanks, Corinne. Anne? Yeah. I mean, I I think, I think you nailed it in your list and, and I like Corinne's of the listening and the paying attention. And I, and I guess what I would add to that is um, in terms of is being the kind of leader that inspires confidence, because without that, you've got nothing, you know, you've got the people around you are going to struggle to function. And in my journey with Corinne, I mean, not just over the last 15 years, but in particular with uh, with Andiamo over the last year and a half, I've had to learn a lot and and what i've what I love about Corinne's teaching style is she breaks things down, but she is very clear and very direct. So I'm getting that kind of feedback. So when I think about that in terms of like, all right, what do what do staff need? What do employees need? recognizing that if i'm not clear i'm not setting them up for success and then i and then also bringing that to program to programming and i have a hard time i think separating what i do to train leaders versus my own experience of this but what this has done is reinforced in the animal world how how important it is how important all of these lessons are to so, being a great leader
1: so we're adding listening and clarity And one of the thoughts that I've had is that we should actually do another episode on what we call communication intelligence, which as I understand it is above and beyond emotional intelligence and something I've been learning about. I want to thank both of you for joining me today. As we reach the end of our episode, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Foster Group, Veterans Victory Housing and Small Business Campuses, and Carson Private Clients. Thanks for listening to today's episode
0: and stay tuned for our weekly releases. About any legal needs or questions you may have.
3: Ahura Media Production.